Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And today on the program, we have a band called Bleaker. Bleaker, whom you just interviewed. I did, and they played uh, last night at the Fillmore in San Francisco. We'll get into that. I was pretty bummed that I wasn't able to uh, actually attend the show um, as I had uh, planned. I, you know, I love any show at the Fillmore. It's it's a you, you can't go wrong with the yeah. You, you can't, can't go wrong with that venue. I mean, such historical significance, right? Yep, and you get that Fillmore apple and everything. It's part of the experience. It's uh, uh, it's it's beautiful. So. Um, so we talked to uh, him about that. We'll get we'll bring uh, Taylor Perkins from Bleaker in in just a, a bit. But uh, before we do, uh, some stuff we want to talk about, Jens. And first and foremost, you made some cards, and I'm really proud of you for doing this. So. I finally did. How many times have we talked about these cards uh, on the show? You know, and I've got to say, I. I uh, I completed them. I finished them. They are done. I made several different variations, and I got your stamp of approval on on uh, you know the final draft. And uh, they're spiffy, man. We've got front and back printed uh, promotional concert pipeline cards. So if you're out at one of the shows that we cover, you might get one of these limited edition Yen's cards. So uh, they are rare. They are rare, and I bet you they're going to sell on eBay for lots of money. Uh-huh. So if you can get a hold of one of these, um, I would put it in a kind of a shadow box or a safe or something for several years. Make sure it doesn't get bleached out by the sun because the value is only going to increase. This is true. This is, this is, I mean, this is a fact, right? So, yeah. Uh, so, but you'll be looking for some uh, some lucky people to hand them out to at uh, live in the vineyard this uh, this coming weekend, right? Yeah, that's starting tomorrow, man. I'm really excited about uh, covering that uh, this coming Friday night, and um, I've got my cards ready to hand out. Excellent. And so, for those of you that don't know, uh, which is probably a good part of the population, uh, Live in the Vineyard is a private music festival, um, and it's kind of music and arts and wine and that sort of thing in in Napa. Um, You can't buy tickets to it. You can only win them from radio stations and uh, other outlets across the country. And then uh, fans are flown in to Napa on Southwest Airlines and uh, get to partake in uh, kind of a whole weekend of live music and wine and uh, kind of a a great environment. Uh, There's some chef demonstrations um, and uh, um, top line artists that are are playing this festival. So we're going to be covering it this weekend separately, actually. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, we did it together last year, right? We well, we went to one of the uh, yeah. one of the evenings together. Yes. Uh, but this time it's completely separate. We're not even going to see each other until Sunday, though. We'll, we'll cover Sunday together. Um, but right. but uh, you're covering Friday. The Friday lineup is uh, OAR, uh, Rabel, um, Philip Phillips from American Idol, uh, Caleb Scott, and uh, Johnny Swim. So those are the artists that you're going to be seeing and uh, you're taking your lovely wife. Yes, I'll be taking my lovely wife. She'll be there. Um, and I am sure she will uh, help me hand out these beautiful cards that I made. Oh, good, good. 
And then uh, Saturday, um, I'm covering Saturday, which is going to be, I mean, I'm just going to put it on the table. It's going to be ridiculous. But I burn that candle at both ends, and I I make the most out of all my time. There's no denying that, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the Ragnar race uh, from San Francisco to Napa, a 12-person relay race uh, uh, between Friday morning and midday Saturday. So... Sleep is going to be ridiculous. It's I'm running three separate legs. I'm going to be running through Napa um, Saturday afternoon, like a half marathon worth of running then, and a couple of other stints, you know, beforehand. Uh, so, uh, so that's going to be nuts. And then from there, I'm going to go to Live in the Vineyard, you know, pretty shortly afterwards, um, and uh, cover uh, uh, Saturday's bands, which are Walking on Cars, The Rua, Blue October, and uh, Mike Posner. Um, on Saturday, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take a real quick shower, you know, between the Ragnar and uh, your coverage of the of the live in the vineyard. Oh yeah, and, like hop in the shower, change, oh, yeah. and you're there. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the stops there is a shower stop, so um, it's a um, a community center or something where um, where you can shower. But um, but yeah, that, when I get home, I will absolutely be. You might not even have to go home. Oh, okay. Yeah. You could save that step. You right. could just shower there and Great then go. Call. Great call. I love it. You just have to run with your change of clothing, like, you know, run with a backpack or something. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, I love the way you think. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then Sunday we're meeting up for uh, for this brunch where um, uh, Adina Menzel is actually going to be performing, I believe, at the brunch. and uh, She's Elsa from Frozen, uh, Let It Go. That's Adina Menzel. That's the okay. Let It Go. It's a, the official, yeah. not a cover. The official from the right. movie yes. Let It Go. And uh, uh, Brendan James, uh, concert pipeline veteran, uh, who performed uh, on my porch um, uh, after last live in the vineyard. He was so gracious to, uh, to do that. It was awesome. We performed in the rain. Uh, and uh, excellent performance. He's going to be performing again at the uh, at the brunch, I believe, and we're going to interview him afterwards uh, again. So we'll have him on uh, the podcast again. You're going to be leading that interview, I believe, right? So- I'm going to be leading that interview. Really looking forward to it. Um, hope it doesn't rain this time, but uh, <laughs> I can't say that it was um, you know a bummer at all that it rained. It actually added a lot to the to the atmosphere. It was a great. Um, it was a great piece of it. Yeah, made it memorable. Performance sure. in the interview. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we, we're going to cover that whole festival. That'll come on the next episode of Concert Pipeline, which is uh, really exciting. I love Live in the Vineyard. I love being a part of it, and that they kind of bring us into that uh, as well. Because I've talked about it before on the podcast how gr- how great it is to have a uh, kind of a music scene uh, and artists actually coming to Napa, which growing up here didn't happen. It just, it just never happened. There was no music environment. There's no music venue. There's no, nothing for this. So the fact that uh, artists fly in and people are flying in to, to have this kind of experience here is, is really cool. That's huge. Yeah. So you grew up in Napa, right? I did. So um, you are now uh, you know, in an environment where you grew up, but um, you have two kids that are now, you know, have kind of taken your place, and they're going up now in Napa, and look what they have to benefit from. I know, I know. Oh, uh, the whole music scene. It's pretty cool. So, uh, so, yeah. that's, so that's pretty exciting. Um, something else we wanted to talk about was uh, the show we we went to. We uh, we got to see a portion of 
uh, Monty Python? We did. Um, that was awesome, awesome show. It was uh, two former members of Monty Python. So John Cleese and Eric Idle. And Cleese, um, for those of you, is the tall guy, really tall, crazy guy, known for Ministry of Silly Walks and things like this. And Eric Idle um, uh, is the musical talent. And he had his guitar with him and uh, played a few played a few classic Python songs. Excellent. And, uh, and so... Uh, it was kind of last minute to, uh, for at least for me to to get to partake in this with uh, with you is something that you know a lot of people grew up on Monty Python and the and that whole kind of culture and that was not a part of what I you know grew up with so I didn't have a lot of that kind of backstory to uh, to go off of I understood their place in comedy you know history like i mean there it was it was like comedy royalty uh being able to to see them uh live and uh and kind of my take on it uh what uh, was i mean i uh there were funny points for me i liked it the there were points that i i didn't hit because a lot of it it didn't hit home because a lot of it was nostalgia based, right? I mean, they were very reflective of their years and shared stories from uh, over the years of uh, of working together. And we're talking about like fifty year old stories that uh, that I have no ba- basis or foundation for, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a real kind of history lesson, or they walked us through. Um, let me back up a second. The whole thing was like a conversation, right? The two were sitting in these big red chairs and just kind of uh, walked us through how they all met each other in the very beginning. That's how it started out. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, they told us a lot of things that um, a lot of people probably didn't know. I, was, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a pretty big Monty Python fan, and there were several stories that I, I was clueless. I'm like, really? Are you serious? That happened? No way. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was nicely set up. They had a little uh, side table there where they um, reenacted some of their skits uh, that they did together. And um, there was a big screen behind them where they, um, you know, guided people uh, back to uh, snippets of the Flying Circus and Faulty Towers and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another nice thing about the show is that uh, they didn't just talk about themselves. Um, but they talked about what the other, uh, you know, members did, and um, they made you know, had a good time making fun of themselves and the great yeah. jolly group. It was just a wonderful experience. I like the line they started it out with. Uh, you know, we just so you guys all, all know, we didn't do this for the money. We're not doing this for the money. We're right. uh, we're doing it for the sex. <laughs> we need the money to pay for the sex. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then John Cleese admitted that uh, he, um, the most he ever paid was for sex was twenty million dollars. Right. Yes. And you know, you know, the audience was laughing. They, they got great audience participation. Um, yeah. And you know, then it comes down to that's probably probably being an accurate number uh, through the divorce set of settlements yeah. he's had. And I think he's been married four times or something. So that probably comes out to about 20 million. I, <laughs> I don't know how you don't learn your lesson. You're like, okay, we'll do this again. You know, we'll, we'll go, let's round two. Okay. You know, maybe a second. You have to, you give it some time. Do you get married a third time, a fourth yes. time? Like, especially when you have all this 
you know, like, uh, you know, prenuptials have got to be ridiculous when you have a lot of money in our, uh, uh, like that, right? Mm, I mean, you right. know, you know, okay, the odds are this isn't going to work out. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's his, like, it didn't work out the first time. Let's try it again. The first okay, three you know, times. Fair enough. Like, it didn't work the second time. Mm, you know, should I try it a third time? Third time's a charm, maybe. No, it didn't work. Fourth time, you know, stop it already. It's not working. Maybe just There's like, pattern here. maybe just like sharing his wealth. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You probably just take a million dollars out and burn it and watch it, uh, you know, go up in flames. But, I mean, there was – they were joking about uh, variety and how important it is to have variety in life. So, you know, Cleese was, um, you know, I think very happy that he got, uh, you know, several wives. Some variety. He he diversified his marriage, I guess. I guess. uh, His marriages. Yeah. 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 Hilarious. Totally hilarious. They – Let's see. Well, some of the songs they sang, uh, of course, they did Bright Side of Life, right? Yep. Always look on the bright side of life. They did that song from... Um, mm, um, I was going to say History of the World. That's not right. Um, um, mm, help me out here, Steve. Their I'm third clueless. Film. I, I'm not, I'm not their, their third. Their third film. Oh, the third um, film. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, I know our listeners know it. Uh, anyway, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Idol gets his guitar out and he starts singing the song about the stars and the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and the and uh, Earth goes around the sun at a hundred million miles an hour. You know, or whatever. However, the lyrics go. And but they're showing. They're showing uh, in the background um, uh, uh, a very well-known, very well-educated, um, you know, professor kind of debunking the lyrics, right? Life of Brian. Um, no, no, no. That was no, the no, third no, film. No. That was the third film. After that. It was. Uh, and uh, so, first film, and now for something completely different than Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Monty Python's Life of Brian, and then Monty Python: The Meaning of Life. The Meaning of Life. Oh, there you go. That's there the first film. Maybe. That's the last one. Yeah. Okay. So, The Meaning of Life, um, uh, you know, which, of course, has all of this stuff in it about the meaning of life. But the song specifically, uh, you know, talks about all these factual things about how the Earth orbits and how the universe exists and, and stuff. So, there's this professor, uh, very well known in uh, England, who's debunking this, uh, you know, debunking the lyrics and how they're not true, and Monty Python's making the argument, yeah, but they were true in 1982 when we wrote the song, but they're not true anymore, or well, whatever. You know, take it into context of when it was written, and so <clears throat> they have a visual of this guy, you know, in, uh, on campus, I think, at the mm-hmm. university, oh, yeah. teaching, and in the very background, you see this wheelchair, you know, and you think uh-huh, it's maybe some old, uh, elderly person kind of, you know, pushing themselves along, or maybe somebody with some disability kind of pushing themselves along, but the more you look, the more you hear that it's a motorized uh, thing with this character that's kind of hunched over, you know, trying to control the thing. And you realize it's Stephen Hawking yeah. coming full speed at this guy, you know, boom, hits him into the, into the, into the moat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, Hilarious. And so, yeah, they showed a lot of clips and, um, and one thing that John Cleese talked about also was the, uh, how it, in one, uh, shot in particular, but I mean, but generally kind of, the times uh, back then that they, what they were able to do, I mean, they had one shot that was just held 
you know, in, in one, uh, one place, like they didn't cut between cameras or anything, uh, for it, which, uh, kind of gives a level of vulnerability. Everything's, uh, out there and each person, uh, in the scene needed to be on point and, um, and, uh, and intra and a piece of, uh, of what's going on, um, in their skit. So, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the genius of Terry Gilliam, the director. And also, um, uh, he showed up in some of their skits and some of their movies every, every now and then, you know, but he was definitely the, the illustrator, the artistic genius and the, um, uh, the director of, of, of all of it. And, uh, Oh, I was just going to say, uh, if it's genius to just put a camera on a tripod and leave, you know, you can call me. A yeah, I can because do that. it's simplicity. <laughs> it's simplicity. It's, yeah. And I think that's what John Cleese was yeah. saying. You know, he was saying um, uh, he absolutely loved the fact that it's simply just a camera, uh, full frame with the actors um, expressing their talent. The yeah. talent isn't, you know, somehow... Uh, I don't want to say enhanced, but the, the comedy isn't tried... They don't try to make the comedy... They don't try to escalate the comedy or make the comedy more funny by, you know, clever screenshots or, or, or I mean, uh, clever camera angles and stuff like that. So the camera isn't adding to the comedy. It's it's really the comedy is coming from the comedians. And um, John Cleese was explaining how it's unfortunate they don't do do more of that kind of stuff. I guess you'd have to just go to stand-up comedy to see that. Yeah. 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 So end of the show, what was your your favorite part, Jens? Oh gosh, it is really hard to say. I was just floored throughout the entire thing. They um, they did a few sketches, you know. As we said, yep. they did do my favorite sketch of all time, uh, which I was just absolutely thrilled by. I couldn't believe it. I was just I was sort of hopping up and down in my seat, and I was tr- trying so hard not to, you know, uh, mouth the entire. Um, uh-huh sketch you know because i knew it by heart um i knew that that would probably annoy everybody <laughs> but it was the for those of you that know uh, my python sketches it's the undertaker sketch and um absolutely you know hilarious um as the undertaker gives uh the options of what to do with john cleese's character's dead you know mother that she has in a that he has in a bag and brought into the store and you know, she ends up being attractive and they consider, you know, eating her. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Hilarious. That's pretty funny. So, um, yeah, I've got to say that was my favorite part. Oh, good times. Good times. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and hats off to the Cubs, by the way. Won, won the World Series for the first, yeah, first time. Yeah, the Cubs game last night. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing, huh? Yeah, so first time since cars were uh, invented. The Cubs won the World Series, so it's, I mean, incredible. So many things have happened. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to, to look at it, Steve. Um, we can look at all the, you know, major historical points in life, um, you know, inventions or, you know, world yeah. events or whatever has happened, you know, since they were in the World Series. Yes. Were they? Did they win it back then? Or I don't remember. I, they were just in it and lost they, it? Or? I think they won 1908, uh, which is when the Model I think T they did. was coming out. Yeah. So that was, the, yeah, yeah. that was the last time they won, was like 1908, if I remember correctly. And uh, w- one story that I saw... Uh, from the World Series, I don't think it was yesterday's game, but one of the one of the games, Bill, um, this lady was uh, 
at the ticket booth uh, trying to get tickets uh, to the game, which like like there would be any, right? But she, you know, was living on a prayer and uh, and hopeful that she, I mean, that you know, some people wouldn't be able to go and that there would be something released. You know, you go and you, you got to try if you can't get them, right? And so she, uh, this is like a 56-year-old lady and uh, and so she's devastated outside the box office and she's like, really having a hard time with this information that the that the tickets aren't available i guess i don't know and what uh and bill murray walks by and uh, and says you're uh come with me and he's and she's like where are we going and he gave her his extra ticket uh he had an extra ticket she sat next wow. to him and watched no the game. way she was uh they were they they were sitting uh like six rows back from home plate um, Al Roker was in the row behind them. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, like, wow, yeah. wow, she was yeah. in the right place at the right time, Eddie, huh? Eddie Vedder was sitting nearby. Yeah, I mean, so they wow. so they chatted it up throughout the game, and she was a mm. big Cubs fan and uh, and knew a lot about it. So um, so they had a lot in common, and they were able to have a great conversation. And he was offering her popcorn and stuff, and like, uh, that's cool. I know nothing was lost in translation there. Oh. Yes. Uh, that was good. That was good. I've been good, practicing that good. for yeah, months, yeah. and I finally got to say it. Yeah, it fit well. Like, when is Steve going to start talking about Bill Murray? Because I just want to say that. You yes. Know? She'll, be, yeah. she'll be playing it over and over again in, in her mind. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Replay. Yeah. Groundhog's Day. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Uh-huh. So, All right. got to think of a Ghostbusters thing now. Um, okay. Who are you going to call when you need a Cubs ticket? A Cubs ticket? He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a, a cell phone, I don't think, though. So he's not on social media or anything like that. So he just kind of shows up and does his thing. I don't know. He's been there. But uh, you won't be taking that call. Uh, so uh, so that's, uh, that's it. I think it's time to get into our interview here now. Uh, again, uh, Bleaker is the band that we're about to talk to. And um, I talked to uh, Taylor Perkins. They're on their way down to L.A. Uh, to perform and performed last night at the Fillmore in San Francisco. So I think it's time to bring them in. Let's do it. Hey, Taylor. Hey, how are you doing? How's it going, man? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, we're on with... Uh, Taylor Perkins from Bleecker. Uh, so, are are you on the road right now to LA? We are. Uh, we headed to San Fran. And we're on the way. Excellent. Now you played the the Fillmore last night, right? Oh yeah, it was insane. That it was the first time we played that room, and it was one of the coolest experiences ever. Taylor, Taylor, it's my favorite venue in the world, so I'm really bummed that I, I had to miss the, the show last night because uh, any excuse to go to the Fillmore, I mean, at, on top of seeing your, your band, of course, which would, would have been incredible, but uh, but the Fillmore, I have so many, so many memories there myself and so much of my history is in the Fillmore. Uh, it's it's such a great place. So what what was your impression of the Fillmore? What, uh, what, what did you like about it? What, what do you think? Uh, I, I, we walked in. There's like it seemed like this old school like giant theater that you could see like see like fifties movies in, and you could see like all the concert posters and all the people that have played there. And I don't know they just have a really nice setup and the stage is amazing. The whole like it's like brand new carpet and it's really comfy and everything just feels really. I, I don't know. It's like a really warm feeling and a really warm sound in the room. And uh, the, the people that work there have been doing it for so long and are so good at it that everything is just. It's seamless, and everyone's really professional, and it's just an all-around good vibe. 
Yeah, you can get lost looking at all the posters upstairs of all the shows and all the people. I mean, there's just this energy to the the venue that's incredible. I, I mean, so much history there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously you were playing last night, but it, it was also the end of the the World Series. The Cubs won for the first time since before cars or uh, existed. Did, uh, did I you, know? Did you get to follow any of that at all? No, uh, we we just kept getting updates from uh, from our drummer. He was just watching, and he was just like just telling us the score, and it was kind of crazy. Even just not watching it, it sounded it sounded amazing. So I'm gonna have to probably go back and, and just watch the whole game. That's a break. You know, it was really fun to play the Fillmore, but we, we missed something huge in history as well. So, I don't know. It was a little bittersweet last night. Yeah, it's hard needing to be two places at once, right? It's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, an incredible game for for sure. So uh, you're you're big into sports your, yourself, right? You play basketball. Uh, yeah, I play basketball, volleyball, all the you know all the all the indoor sports. I never played football or anything, but I'm uh, I'm obsessed with NFL fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of can. Yeah. How how long have you been uh, playing uh, sports? Do you play when you were a kid and uh, and everything in high school? Oh yeah, I mean like. I grew up in like really like a really cool neighborhood where we had like kids everywhere. So we also, we always played like road hockey and stuff. And I got into basketball with my brothers, and uh, all through public school and high school, and I was a captain and all that fun stuff. And uh, I still continue to play. I still continue to like do you know a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and it you know it kind of keeps you sane. And it's really nice to have something like that inside of music where you can go uh, and you know play something and play some sports. I think everybody needs that kind of thing. Yeah, and there's similarities between sports and music. Did you kind of, did your parents like give you a lot of structure growing up? Like, I mean, I feel like both of those things are you know pretty structured and kind of give you like discipline that sort of thing. Oh yeah, I mean, they didn't really discipline. They kind of I don't know. They kind of just let me do my own thing, and they never really pushed me to do anything. They just if I picked something, they supported it. So they would you know they'd make sure I was at like morning practice. Is they they make sure I get to my guitar lessons and they make sure I just was was doing what I wanted to do. They were never pushy. They were just always supportive, and uh, to this day they're still extremely supportive. And I mean, I was getting like messages from my parents last night, just congratulating us on on playing the Fillmore and all the stuff we've been doing and all the touring uh, we've been doing. So we've been doing it for a really long time, and and uh, and they know that, and they're just always still, you know. Tell us a good job, and it's re- it's really nice to hear that from your parents. Yeah, and so you started playing in a band when you were fourteen, and you uh, and your brothers in the band too. Cole's in in, in the band. Tell me about how you guys uh, decided to get that together. Uh, well, we for Christmas we got uh, I got a guitar for Christmas, and my brother Cole got drums, and uh, we started playing together and jamming. We still just like we we used to open up like our bedroom window when we would play to the outdoors and all the the neighborhood kids would come and hang around and watch us. We put on little concerts kind of thing. And we just kept playing. And uh, my grandfather told me um, guitar players are a dime a dozen and start singing. So I started singing. And then Cole pretty much picked up every instrument he could. And uh, we met um, Mike a little while later, uh, the bass player in our band now. And we've been doing it ever since. So basically since like public school. Um, and it's been really fun, and it's really easy to be in a band with your brother because there's not as—I don't think there's as much drama, you know. Yeah, you, you guys can get along. Tell him to f off when you need to, and and you're still friends at the end because you kind of have to be. 
yeah, you 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 do, but you you know you you keep a pretty confined quarters tra- traveling around the country and well countries in in a, a van, right? So you got to get. I mean, yeah, it's it, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. When you're when you're with the people that long in such a confined space, every every little thing that they do that might may not bother you normally ends up bothering you immensely at the end of the tour. You know what I mean? So, uh, but we're lucky that we're all pretty, um, you know. Not smart. I don't want to say smart people. We're all pretty logical, and we know uh, how to live with each other now, which is good. Yeah, and so you you said your grandfather gave you some uh, advice about kind of uh, learning to to sing as well. Did he was he musically inclined? Does he sorry say it one more time? Uh, did was your grandfather like really into music as well? You said he gave you advice about kind of taking up the. Oh the yeah. Song. Yeah, my, my uh, actually both my grandfathers. My one grandfather was a, a trumpet player. He played trumpet all through his life, and uh, my grandfather gave me that advice. He actually still goes in and plays shows. I think he plays three or four times a week um, at like different places, coffee shops, um, retirement homes, um, and yeah, he still gigs. And we, he comes over all the time, and we just play guitar together and ha- and hang out. He's got way more gear than we do, so. Yeah. He always brings over a new guitar kind of every time he comes and, and surprises us with it, and we get to hang out with him. And it's really good to have something uh, in common with uh, your grandfather, you know what I mean, and, and bond over something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. That's It's great to have that in, in common for sure. And it, you, you talk about the amount of gear that you have. I know you kind of got into some trouble recently with uh, the uh, the amount of gear that you had in, uh, at the airport and being able to actually get that over to England, right? Yeah. Well, we we have a new rule where uh, if you if you can't carry it, don't bring it. So what we're trying to do is basically uh, get rid of as much gear as we can and travel with as little as possible. So my brother Cole got a thing called a Kemper, and so now he doesn't even need an amp. He just has a head he travels with, and uh, Mike's got this tiny little head. And we just kind of do. We try to be the most minimal as possible. We used to have, like carry around all this stuff that was just so ridiculous. So. Yeah, the airport was funny. It was, I think we were getting charged $900, so we called an Uber, and uh, we got them to come pick up a bunch of stuff, like clothes, extra guitars, and we saved 700 bucks. so that is pretty good. I mean, that's that's important when you're on the road. You, I mean, you don't have a lot of expendable money for uh, for things like that, right? So you got to take what you oh, can yeah. and, and pack light, apparently, right? Exactly. Yeah, all that kind of stuff adds up. <laughs> yeah. So, one this is talking about kind of the, the spending the money on the on the road. One thing you had uh, uh, written in your your blog as well was that it's impossible to stay healthy on uh, on tour. So, talk to me about that and the kind of those challenges when you're when you're going from uh, town to town. Well, the, one of the biggest challenges is you can't cook. So, everything you eat is already made for you, and everything you eat has to be what's available at the time. So uh, usually, like on the highways, you have your, your standard fast food stuff. When you get into cities, it's um, it's a little better, but everyone's really hungry at the end of the night, too, after you play, and it's usually 12 o'clock at night, and nothing's open but McDonald's or something like that. So um, it's really hard, and obviously you can't go to the gym, at, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's really tough. So we try to just, like, kind of walk around the areas that we go to and... Uh, but it's, it's really easy to fall into really bad habits because we always have, uh, you know, junk food and, and booze in the, in the dressing rooms, right? So, yeah. um, it's, it's hard, but, 
that's why it's kind of it's good to get home sometimes and just kind of get back into your normal routine for a bit and get healthy even before you go out on the road. Yeah. So over the summer, you drove over twenty thousand miles uh, on tour, and uh, I, I mean, do you do you each take turns driving? Do you uh, tell me about the routine you guys get into? Because that's I mean, that's a that's a lot of uh, of time spent on the road. That's uh, crazy. Um, well, what what usually happens? We're getting we're getting pretty good at it. Um, that last tour, yeah, it's twenty thousand miles, and a lot of the the drives were overnight to get the sound check in next morning. Uh, because uh, we were just an opening band, we didn't have like a bus, we didn't have a driver or anything. Everybody else did, so all the times were set up for these bands where they could get driven overnight and wake up in the new city and do this thing, but we had to drive ourselves. Um, so there were a lot of nights we didn't sleep. Um, what we try to do is one guy will drive six or seven hours during the day, then the next guy will hop in, one guy will go overnight, usually with somebody staying up with them just to make sure you know nothing happens. Um, but yeah, we, we have to drive like 12, 13 hours in a row. So it's usually two guys. We try to do at least four or five hours each. Yeah. What, what do you but, listen? Uh, it gets pretty hard. What do you listen to while you're on, you're on the road? Um, it, it's driver's choice. That's our rule. So, um, <laughs> if, <laughs> if Mike is driving, we'll be listening to, uh, anything from Billy Joel to, um, like Slayer or something. Same with uh, uh, Chris, or we'll be listening to Kanye West. Uh, if Cole was driving, we'd be listening to the Arkells from Canada um, or Snucky Puppy. And yeah. if I'm driving, we listen to talk radio, AM radio, yeah. or nothing. Silence. We're, listen, like we're driving in silence, people. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just put everything on. Everybody kind of just falls asleep, and I can just drive by myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. Uh, so, talk to me about getting signed to Roadrunner Records. Okay, yeah. Um, Roadrunner that was a that was a while ago. That was yeah. uh, two thousand ten, I think. Yeah, yeah, back in yeah, it was two thousand ten, I think, right around then, with Small Town uh, Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, we were younger then, and it was good. We we met a, a woman named Rose, and we actually still work with Rose, and she's become a really, really good friend and actually got us signed with uh, 5-7 Records, and that's who we're with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of been a champion of the band, and it was a really good learning experience uh, on Roadrunner, and we met um, some really cool people, played with a really good band called Airborne, we learned a lot from. Um, so, yeah, it was a good time. Excellent, and uh, and so your your new music video is for uh, for the song Highway off of um, off of your new album Erase You. Uh, you came to California actually to shoot that uh, that music video, and you did it all in one day, right? Yeah, it was a cool day. We had stunt driver, and uh, she uh, she would she did like these donuts around us in the car and stuff. It was pretty crazy, and uh, we shot a bit more of it. We rented like an Airbnb out in the mountains somewhere. And just like kind of hung out and shot some shot some more videos, did like a photo shoot and stuff. So it was a really fun time. The the one day I think it was like twelve hours straight. Um, music videos are fun, but they are really taxing, you know. And it, it, yeah. it is a long day of doing you know the same thing over and over and over again. But it was it's usually pretty fun. How much it's good imp- to see how the other part of the industry works. Yeah, how much input did you have in the the video? Do was it something like you planned out uh, ahead of time, or you know, kind of the label brought the idea to you and you kind of went back and forth on it? 
Uh, yeah, we, we usually get sent a, a bunch of, uh, like a bunch of treatments, a bunch of ideas, and then we just pick which one we like, and then we kind of just tweak it in our own little way and make sure it turns out the way we want it to work out, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so right now you're um, you're playing a kind of a, a small tour, like really small, cup three dates here in, uh, in California with the Struts, and you've toured with them before, right? Yeah, um, they're such a fun band, so energetic, and they bring back like that old school like glam rock, uh, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and they're just really fun. I think it's, it's a good contrast between us and them. And uh, hopefully, I think we're gonna do some more dates with them soon coming up. And uh, then we head to Canada to do the old Canada run again. So. Yeah. Yeah. So tell tell me about the differences between playing in Canada and and the United States. What kind of uh, di- what's the di- the environment, the atmosphere, and uh, um, and how are the shows different? Uh, honestly, the the fans are are very much the same. Everyone's really cool. Um, I'd say the biggest difference is is uh, driving in the snow, and it's terrible, and we hate it. But the shows are really fun. Yeah. Um, and I don't. From my experience, we usually play the major cities in the states. So in Canada, we're going to get to play some smaller markets, uh, which are usually more fun because people in the smaller markets don't have stuff going on every day. You know, if you live in a Toronto or a Los Angeles, people have something to go to every night if they want to. But if you go to Grand Prairie, you know, um, it's it's really cool to get everybody out, and everyone has a really really good time. So. Excellent. Um, so. Um, talk talk to me about uh, I guess one of your musical idols is Chris Cornell. Uh, so you got to meet him. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Oh, I okay. I I kind of got to meet him. Kinda. I was uh, I think it was like in 2011, and we were picking up some gear in Los Angeles, and uh, I was looking around the warehouse, and there were all these like names on the cases of all these people that uh, it's all their touring stuff, all their equipment. And uh, I saw Chris Cornell on one of them, so I was freaking out. I called all the guys over, and I was like, holy jeez, I was, I was taking pictures with him and stuff. And then through the door, Chris Cornell walked through, and I was like, oh, my God. And I just kind of stood there, and he, he just walked by me, and I couldn't say anything. I, I just couldn't get any words out. I yeah. just like, ah! And he just walked by, and that was that was my Chris Cornell moment. That, that was, was that was it right there. You were in his presence, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need I need a I need a redemption on that one. Well, I can't I can't promise I would do it any better this time, but yeah. I, I would like a second chance. One of those more impacts to you than it is to him, probably, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's funny. I have kind of a similar story. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, of course. And and years ago, like probably 12 years ago, um, I got to meet him uh, after one of their shows in the Bay, uh, the Bay Area. And this is before cell phone cameras and everything. And I, I may have even had a disposable camera. I don't know, but it was a junker camera. And I got a picture with him. And then it didn't come out. And you couldn't even tell who it was, uh, was or anything and so, yeah and so it was one of those oh my gosh this is ridiculous uh, right so, that's terrible. and, uh, and yeah. i, I did yeah, get, of course it happened yeah and i did get the opportunity to make up for that though uh like i think it was last year he came to uh napa i'm, I'm from napa and um and uh so i got to uh, get a picture with him then and and uh and actually, I, I one-upped it actually uh, because he was doing he was showing his Sound City mu- uh, musical documentary, and 
Um, and so I, I got my mom to, uh, to print an 8x10 of the picture while the, the documentary was going on, and then I got him to sign the picture afterwards. So a d double whammy. Ah, there you go. Yeah. You got your attention. See, I just need that. Yeah, exactly. You got yours. I need to get mine. Yeah, you, you, you'll get it. You'll get it. You stay on that. You keep hitting that road. It'll, uh, it'll. The opportunity will be there. Um, but you've got. I mean, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, good. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say you've gotten to uh, to open for some other really amazing bands as well, though, and I want to hear you know about those uh, experiences, like opening for Iron Maiden and touring with Sublime. Tell me about this. Um, yeah, we just toured with Sublime and the Dirt and the Dirty Heads, and it was insane. Uh, those guys are all really talented people, and uh, that was one of the best tours I think we've done. We got to go to the states for the first time, and uh, everybody was just a really, really good musician, and they hung out. We actually played with um, a radio band called the uh, Tribal Seeds as well, mm -hmm. and I think it was like a, a month, a little bit more than a month tour, so we all got to you know become friends and hang out backstage. They're all these uh, these amphitheater shows, so. It was like an open environment in the back, and it was really cool. Everything was outdoors the whole time, in like the nice weather, and uh, yeah, they're just great people. Um, and yeah, we we've done some great festivals like Iron Maiden and Aerosmith, and it's always cool to see those people that have been doing it for so long do it again. You know, and yeah. you can learn a little bit from everybody. So, um, who else? I don't know. Like I said before, Airborne was crazy, like the most energy I've ever seen in the show. Um, we had to play with the Trues. The first time I saw the Trues, we started working on our harmonies the night after because they were so good at it. So all these bands that we get to play with always influence us, and uh, we learn so much every time. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's so good to play with so many different acts and so many different genres. It's really nice. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned playing kind of in, in amphitheaters. Do you, do you prepare any differently for when you're playing like a, a big open amphitheater versus when you're playing like a, a club like the, the Fillmore? Um, the only difference is usually with the amphitheater, well, no, I think it's the same thing. We always kind of do the same show. It's, it's pretty much the same. If you do festivals, you don't get sound checks or anything. So it's more like jumping into the deep end, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for the, yeah, for the most part, it's the same stuff. And it's just, uh, the club shows, it's really easy to make everybody feel like they're together and in a club and in these giant amphitheaters, it's a little bit harder to bring everybody in. So, um, it's just, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's still the same kind of thing. It's just a bunch of just a bunch of ones is the way I look at it. Just a, one person, one person, one person, one person. So yeah. So so tell me about the uh, the creation of Erase You. How did that uh, how did that come about? Tell me you know kind of the writing process and uh, and how you guys work together uh, when you go in to record it. Uh, yeah, a lot of those songs um, have been around for so long. There's, most of the CD is. Uh, these songs that we've written, but we never thought we could release because they didn't sound like us, quote, end quote, you know? So uh, we finally just said, whatever, we're going to do them because they've been our favorite songs for so long. And um, we found a label, or they found us, and, and felt the same way about all the songs. We sent them a bunch of songs, and they picked the songs that we like as well. So uh, it's, it's definitely hard to find a label that, that wants to do that. So we got really lucky that way. And um, usually the writing is, like Cole bring me a song or I'll bring him a song and uh, he'll bring me a song and I'll dumb it down or I'll bring him a song and he'll smarten it up kind of thing so that's kind of how that goes but uh, it's really easy to work uh, we never had a problem writing and it's our, kind of our favorite thing to do so yeah yes. it's pretty cool TV it's a lot of different styles of music and a lot of different influences over the years and we all put it onto one CD 
Yeah, it's a it's a really great album. I really enjoyed it. It flows really well, and it uh, and I mean it, it hits a pre, in in a really great spot. I, I like it. It's got a great great energy to it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, a uh, um, couple more questions. What uh, What are you binge watching right now? Are there shows that you guys are really like to keep up on uh, on the road? Sorry, one just one more second. I'm just driving through a valley. I didn't hear you. Yeah. No worries. Um, what was the question? Yeah, I, I was wondering, um, what shows are you guys binge watching? Are you guys keeping up on any shows? You, you're Walking oh. Dead fans. Oh, okay, got you. Um, well, we we haven't been able to watch any TV because we've been touring so much. But right before you left, I was uh, binge watching Mr. Robot. Okay. Have you heard, have you heard of that? Yeah, and yeah. I also binge watch uh, Bob's Burgers too as well. Oh yeah, Bob's Burgers is good. Yeah, I've 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 heard of Mr. Robot. I haven't watched a, a I haven't really watched it myself though. But it's but it's good. Oh, it's yeah, it's one of those shows because I guess Archer has the same voice as Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. And I've watched Bob's Burgers first, so I can't really watch Archer. I tried to watch it, but it's so weird. <laughs> um, but a lot of people say Archer's really good too, but I just can't get into it because of the voice. Yeah. Yeah, you're like that. No, that's this other character. Uh, I can't. I just can't put myself in the place to to think of this other this person doing this other character. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And so um, to kind of wind it out, um, you you said it's uh, it's important to not take yourself too seriously ever. Has that ever really been uh, an issue for you, or how did you kind of uh, how do you kind of come to that mantra? Uh. Well, no, it's never been an issue for us. I think we all keep each other pretty grounded, and I, I don't know, we don't, you know, we don't take ourselves seriously or each, or each other for the, the most part, but and, and not in a mean way at all. But uh, just being on the road for a while and seeing people, I don't know, get upset or maybe they didn't get this or their dressing room isn't ready for them or you know, just stuff like that. And Don't be there, Taylor. I know you said you're driving through the valley, so um, sounds like you're breaking up a little bit. Certain things that you should complain about, but I don't know. If you take yourself too seriously, everything just kind of turns to shit, and uh, I don't think we'll ever do that. That's important. That's important to just uh, keep remember why you're doing it. You you enjoy uh, you know making the music right, and so have fun while you're you're out there. And uh, yeah, you got a lot of road. Yeah, and I think. Okay. Yeah, I think, and I think going back to the parenting thing, I think all of our dads would hit us in the face if they, you know, stopped complaining about certain things that we've seen. So <laughs> it's, they're good like that. Yeah. Well, congratulations on uh, on where you guys have uh, gotten to at this point. You're doing great, and I mean, hitting the road. I mean, a lot of shows lined up in uh, in Canada, and uh, definitely come back to the the Bay Area again soon. It'd be uh, it'd be great to see you live. Oh, we will for sure. And thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. Hey guys, this is Taylor Perkins from Bleecker, and you're listening to Concert Pipeline. That was the interview with Taylor Perkins from Bleecker. Thank you for taking the time and for your flexibility in doing that as a phone interview instead of in person. I love doing the interviews in person because uh, we're face-to-face. We get to have this uh, conversation. That we're in the in, uh, environment. We're at the concert that is uh, Concert Pipeline, right? So that's what it's about. But, um, but I'm, you know, I'm not fully opposed to uh, doing a phone interview um, if uh, that's how we make it work too. So we had a, a good conversation and talked about their new album, Erase You, which is out now. You can uh, pick that up. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, really enjoyable conversation. So thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it.
Awesome, awesome. Jens, what time is it? Uh, time for you to look at your watch. Oh, wait, music news. Time for music news. Yeah, we got some stories. We do, we do, and uh, there's some interesting stories in the in, in the news today. Uh, some sometimes there it's a slow news day, and you look at it and it's like, okay, I guess that's a story, but uh, I don't have a lot to say about it. But right, yeah, that's kind of. I've got three stories kind of like that. Oh. Some less interesting than others, um, but definitely worth sharing. I'll be the judge of that. So okay, uh, you be the judge of that. Yeah. So I want so when I tell when it's my turn to tell my story, uh, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down oh, when okay. I'm done, and then I'll have an idea of whether I should tell stories like that moving forward. So you can kind of have a scale of what stories. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. I a scale. Right. Oh, okay. Exactly. We'll, we'll do that. Okay, and you you tell me how my stories are. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you get two thumbs though. I'll give you two thumbs. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, recently, the nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, for this year have uh, have been released, and um, and so you know the stipulations for uh, to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yens? You have to be a rock and roller. Uh, you have to be I don't know platinum. Uh, you have to be dead. <laughs> uh, no, I no don't. Idea. I don't know that they, these are actual uh, stipulations, but but you know, I, I like where you're going there. Uh, no, ar- artists are eligible for induction after 25 years after the release of their first record. Uh, oh, their very first one. Yes. Okay. So that doesn't necessarily have to be a hit. It doesn't have to be. No. Um, okay. Sometimes it's it's not. Um, so. Criteria include the influence and significance of the artist's contributions to the development and uh, per, uh, perpetuation of rock and roll. So, those are kind of the things that um, it, uh, that are required to get into um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, um, they uh, one of the nominees for this year, and and you're a nominee. You're not uh, you not necessarily getting in. You may not get in the first time you're nominated. So. Um, so, but Journey is on the list of, uh, bands that are nominated. Wow. So you think of a band like Journey and I would automatically assume they're in the Hall of Fame already, right? Uh, but But no. Okay. No. Um, uh, and so, uh, let me, let me start by telling you, uh, uh, who's nominated this year. Uh, I'm going to pull these up real quick, uh, because that wasn't part of the, the story, but, uh here here it is pearl jam tupac and hold on uh pulling them up okay here we go uh electric light orchestra uh bad brains depeche mode uh jane's addiction joan bays um journey like i said uh steppenwolf um and wow there's some good names in there yeah, and so a couple – those are first-time nominees. Uh, the, uh, those are all first-time nominees. Past nominees on the, uh, the list who are back on the list are Shaka Khan, Chick, C-H-I-C, Janet Jackson, Miss Jackson if you're nasty, uh, Jay Jealous Band, uh, Joe Tex, Kraftwerk, MC5, The Cars, The Zombies, and Yes. 
Wow, man, I, I don't know who. Uh, that is a, uh, it's really hard to narrow that list down. So the 2017 nominees uh, had to release their first recording no later than 1991. Um, and uh, I mean, which is really kind of crazy to think that uh, 1991 is, you know, kind of like the was 25 ago. years ago. That's nuts, right? The uh, 90s. Yeah. Um, That's really weird to think that. Yeah, and so um, fans can cast a vote one a day through December f- uh, 5th by visiting rockhall.com. But um, the story that I have for you, that's kind of backstory. The story that I have is Journey's Journey Jonathan Kane said that former singer Steve Perry should perform with them if they get the final nod of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction next year. That's definitely true. Um, he, yeah. Uh, he said they'd welcome their former vocalist who left in 1998 uh, um, back for a performance at the ceremony. Uh, he tells the Pulse of Radio, the door's always been open for him to join us anytime he wanted. I mean, th- that has to happen. Uh, that uh, th- that band has to play. They have to play their music, two songs, and I think we get to do uh, two or three. That's how it works. Um, and he also admits it that he thinks it's wrong that current singer uh, Arnel uh, Pineda wasn't invited by the Rock Hall. Uh, and he says they'll lobby for his inclusion if they're inducted. Um, Deep Purple were involved in a similar tug of war over Rock Hall's lineup selection earlier this year. So that's another piece of this as well, is that the Rock Hall and Fame is has said that, I mean, they've put a cap on like newer people um, joining the band don't get to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know the exact stipulation over uh, individuals, but, the, but newer people so uh, don't get that automatic in. Interesting. Uh, that makes sense, I guess. It does. Mm. I mean, I, I guess there there should be a limit of some sort, maybe at least ten years. Mm. I don't know. I'm making that up, but um, yeah, maybe not the maybe not the full twenty five. But you have to have some tenure. You can't just roll in and say, "Hey, ooh, look at me! I'm in the Rock Hall of Fame now." I know, right? I would think even... that I would think there there needs to be some sort of uh, contribution, not just stage performance, like in Arnell's, you know. Um, situation he's he's you know gifted with a voice that's so much like steve perry's um that you know it makes sense that he would be the lead singer but i mean as far as i know uh you know he didn't he hasn't contributed to any sort of uh you know musical talent beyond that um yeah they i mean it, he was he was one of those that was a, a fan right uh before yeah they, before. they haven't written albums together you know and that kind of stuff yeah um so I, I understand them them wanting to support him. I mean, because he's the lead singer of their band now. But he's mm-hmm. uh, he's been in. Uh, he said it's his years active. Uh, uh, Nineteen eighty two to present. That's not real. Um, that's maybe as a musician. Uh, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. um, with with Journey. Okay, so he uh, two thousand eight. Um, he uh, did Revelation. I guess um, that's a, that's one of their albums. Um, so I guess he has done some recording with them. Um, he has. Okay, so I wonder how much and, uh, and artistic that, contribution he's contributed to that. You know, to, has it been him singing, or has he contributed in writing the lyrics, or the, the, you know, the song itself, songs themselves? Or in 2011, Eclipse. Uh, so he's done a couple of albums with them at this point. Um, and but 2008 is under the 10 year mark so by my rules that i just made up he doesn't get into uh the rock and roll hall of fame right yeah not this year (laughs) so for me it would be it would be borderline because he you know did uh you know uh 
participate artistically somehow. But it wasn't it wasn't in the earlier in the early career of um, Journey where you know they're true. Where the true nostalgia lies, I should say. <laughs> yeah, he's been with them for a bit, though. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so uh, so that's my first story. What you got, Jens? Oh, well, first off, thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, uh, definite thumbs up. Oh yeah, that is a killer story. Thumbs up. Excellent. Yep. Oh, sorry, two thumbs up. Oh, good, good. Okay. Yeah, because go I, I told you I was going to give you two. You did, thumbs, and so. then you shortchanged right. me. Yeah. 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 All right, so. Um, <clears throat> I've probably said this on this podcast before, but um, I'm a fan of uh, Taylor Swift. And um, I'm also a fan of, you know, when I say I'm a fan of Taylor Swift, I don't mean that, oh my God, I've been to her concerts and I have all her albums. It's not true. I've never been to a concert, never seen her. I do own her last album, but that's pretty much it. Um, I just love the fact that she is a young woman who has just kicked some royal ass in music. So that's what this article is about. Um, the, the, the highest paid female musicians, uh, the top 10 highest paid female musicians. Um, and Taylor was bumped off uh, the number one spot, and she is right back on the number one spot. But let's talk about who else is uh, in there. Okay, let's talk. So I've got the top 10 here. You want to throw any names out there? Beyonce. The queen. Yes, the Beyonce. Queen. Yes. Uh, let's see. These don't have numbers next to them. One, two, three, four, five. She's oh. number five. Oh, okay. Yeah, at a cool fifty-four million. Taylor is at one seventy. Oh, okay. Just to give you some perspective. Any other names you can think of? Oh, female let's female see. musicians. Are female talking. musicians. Yeah, I think. Okay. Think big uh, time here. Think big big time, Britney. Yeah, Britney Spears at number eight. Christina. Aguilera? Yeah. No, not in the top ten. Oh, poor Christina. Miley. Do, 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 do. Miley. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I'm throwing it. Okay. Uh, these, can be, these don't have to be uh, singers necessarily oh. that, you know – came out with an album within the last year oh I don't think. okay share <laughs> yeah here we go no but um you know think think lady gaga but lady, lady gaga <clears throat> no but uh lady gaga's not in here what yeah that's ridiculous. weird huh that's ridiculous okay. i'm starting to question this list okay hit hit me with the rest of the list that's all i got all right okay okay so i'll start from 10 celine dion okay okay wait a minute let me do a disclaimer this chart is based on income from june one two thousand fifteen to June one two thousand sixteen. Okay, okay, that's huge. So maybe Lady Gaga. I don't think she had an album or anything then, right? Uh, maybe she was touring or she was just kicking back with what's his face doing jazz. Anyway, so um, Celine Dion ten, Shania Twain. No, 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 that's ridiculous. Okay, go ahead. Shania Twain number nine. Okay, then we got Britney Spears. We got okay. Jennifer Lopez. Okay. Katy Perry, I thought you were going to say Katy. I should have. Did not say Katy at number six. Beyonce, number five. Rihanna, Rihanna, number four. Number three, who I thought you were going to say. I was waiting for it when I said Lady Gaga. Madonna. I was going to I was gonna say Madonna, but I Yeah, was, whatever. Yeah, now you say you're going to say Madonna. You but know. what has she done in the last year? Like, what? She's just, I don't know. What did she do between 15 and 16? Was there another album or something? Uh, I don't know. But seventy-six point five million for Madonna during that time span. Wow, that's ridiculous. Do you have one more chance? Who's number two? 
But, uh, did I already get number one? Uh, or no, Taylor, Taylor Swift. Taylor, Taylor Swift, number one. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. So someone uh, behind Taylor. This is somebody that my wife listens to constantly, yeah. and I want to shoot myself every did, time I hear it. Did your wife meet her? <laughs> she had. Uh, did she have concert tickets? No, she almost bought concert tickets, but they were so outrageously expensive. Oh. I. I um I delicately encouraged her not to. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of. <laughs> but her. she was in town. I think at, at Oakland Arena. Or oh, someplace. it's it's uh it's uh, oh I know who it is. It's Adele. Yeah. Yes, there yes. you go. Boom. Eighty point five million for Adele. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Adele is the one that uh, bumped Taylor Swift off the top uh, because she I think that album did come out last year, right? So that was a big deal. So. Yeah. For That's Adele. Anyway, um, hats off to the strong women in music representing all the single ladies. Yeah, put your hands up. Put your hands up. Good one, Steve. Put right. your hands up. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you a thumbs up on that story. You get a pass. Okay. But, cool. I get a pass. All right. Yay. We're, we're going to from uh, strong women to a uh, really strong band, and that's Metallica. Yeah. Who we I'm a fan now? I'm who a we fan. saw? Yeah. Now you're a fan. We saw them last week. Um, at the Bridge School Benefit concert. And so the story with Metallica, uh, we need to really beef it up here, is that they're planning to make a a music video for every song on their forthcoming album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, according to Lars Ulrich, the drummer. Wait, say what? They're They're doing what? A music video for each? For each each song on their uh, their album. Well, that's huge. Where are they going to show the music videos? I mean, they can't do it on MTV. <laughs> MTV doesn't play music videos. No, it's, music videos go on YouTube now, and people watch them on YouTube. So really, okay, all right. Yeah. So YouTube is the place to go for music videos. All right, it is. The band. What about VH1? They only do old stuff. Uh, they only do the classics. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't think right. I don't think VH1 does music videos really anymore either. Those are the thing yeah. of the past for TV. Yeah, um, well. I get an F in watching yeah. television. The band's 10th album is released on November 18th. It's right around the corner. So far they've issued videos for uh, the tracks Hardwired, Moth into Flame and Atlas, uh, Rise, uh, uh, oh, okay. An a- oh, an Atlas Rise. That's a uh, that's one. So three so- uh, three videos. Uh, Lars says the band has been sure to stay active online in the run-up to the album's launch. He says, uh, we like to stay active in social media. It's fun to do stuff where it instantly shows up all over the world. You have to accept the way the world is spinning. Now that YouTube is the world's biggest television station, we figured uh, we may as well knock a video out for every song. Why not? You know, you're Metallica. You're the biggest rock. uh, Why wouldn't you want to? Right. Um, And... Uh, the practicality of shooting 12 music videos is kind of crazy, especially when you're trying to promote your record and you're all over the place and trying to make sure it doesn't leak. It's crazy, but at the same time, fun, he says. So uh, so that's their plan for uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, so new Metallica album after a long, long time. So That's exciting. Way to go, Metallica. And uh, I remember um, you know, they were talking about that uh, when we went to the Bridge Benefit School. Uh, uh and they played a. They played. A, they sort of massacred one of their um, yeah. <laughs> new songs off the album. Had a good time with it. Yeah, yeah. That was a. That was a good show. And I dig it. You're up, sir. Hit it. Yeah. Okay. So talking about strong women. Um, this woman. I'm gonna let you try to guess who this is. Uh, no, I know I won't. Never mind. Uh, Demi. 
um, Lovato. Okay, I would never have guessed that, but okay. You're right. Okay, that's why I decided to. But I will, yeah. I will have you guess who the other person is okay, great. Uh, that she was involved with recently. Um, so Demi Lovato, who was Kim. not on the top ten, him, yeah, uh, who was not on the top ten uh, most wealthy uh-huh. rock stars uh, from you know. June 15 to June 2016. But she's in the news anyway because she packs quite the punch. Apparently. She packs out quite the punch. So she's been working out at the Unbreakable Gym in LA where she's been training in a mixed martial arts uh, with the with the gym owner. Yeah. I guess. And um, she's been sharing videos of her sessions on social media. And uh, she revealed a face-off with a certain famous actor who plays a boxer. Sylvester Stallone? Yes. She had a face-off with Mr. Sylvester Stallone. Okay. okay. Who plays Rocky Balboa? Duh. In the famous boxing film franchise. Why do they even have to say that? Okay. Um, So the footage shows both of them with boxing gloves on, circling each other on a blue padded floor. And Demi is throwing her punches at the veteran, right? And Rocky, of course, is dodging. Well, I should probably say Sylvester Stallone is dodging. And um, after a few repetitions, Sly goes for a punch and she ducks, right? Yep. And strikes him back and it appears to connect with his chin. He drops to the floor. Oh, she knocked down Rocky. Okay. She knocked him out, dude. Wow. Knocked him out. Knocked him out. Didn't knock him out cold. Uh, Rocky comes back with, um, you know, a, a feeble attempt at, oh, I slipped, I slipped, I slipped. Uh, oh, why well, you, well, you got to uh, knock yeah. me out? Uh, that right, that yeah, wasn't very yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, and Demi's like, I'm sorry, it was an accident. <laughs> so anyway, um, Power, talking about powerful women again, uh, yes. coming full circle here. Demi um, can pack a punch. She can. Go women. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. I'm going to give that a thumbs down. That no, I knew it. Thumbs down. I knew it. Okay, so uh, I, I want to balance it out. Right. And your delivery was you had something to be. Uh. Yeah, okay. well, I'll, work on that. I'll work on that. Yeah, I work on that. Okay. Uh, so. Slash, you know who Slash is, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. You know who Slash is, Are right? You... Slash, yes, yes okay. of course, Slash. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so his ex-wife re- uh, reacts to his claims that they were never really married. Uh, oh. Perla uh, Farrar, the ex-wife of Guns N' Roses guitar Slash, hit back at the guitarist claims the couple were never married. Earlier this week, Slash indicated they never legally tied the knot, and as a result, Ferrer had no right to share in his wealth following their divorce in 2014. Um, uh, he said uh, he discovered she was still married to previous partner Carlos Marty uh, when they later applied for uh, dual citizenship for their son Cash. So Cash has a son Slash. I mean, Slash has a son Cash. <laughs> okay, that's confusing. Uh-huh. i got to write that down. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. The forms for final just, ju- uh, judgment were reportedly not filed properly, according to TMZ, but in a new TMZ video clip, Farrar says Slash's claims are false and they're causing distress to both her and the couple's children. She says, It's very hurtful to me and disrespectful to our children. I gave him 18 years of my life. It's a bit unexpected and humiliating to our family. It's quite sad. We got married two times. Okay. 
All right. But well, so she signed the marriage certificate but, twice. Did she I, remember this? I don't know, but even uh, Commonwealth marriage, right? Like it's seven years. You're, you're yeah, married, like right? domestic so, partnership, yeah. whatever it is. If you're with somebody in the same space Common for a certain law. amount of time, common law. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of you know, all right, married. Yeah. So. I don't so know. one way or another, they must have been married for right I, yeah. some capacity. Yeah, I don't know. That's being Unless they didn't live together. I don't know. That's yeah. That 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 story probably gets a. Does that get a thumbs up or a thumbs down? You know what? You get two thumbs sideways oh, for good. that one. Oh, good. I'll take it. Yeah, you get two thumbs sideways only because I think it's cool that he has a son named Cash. Yes. Um, okay. So you, so we got <laughs> one right. more story each, and then we'll wind out this podcast. Hit me, Jens. Sounds good. I got a story about Lil Wayne. Okay. Yeah, Lil Wayne came out and apologized uh, for his Black Lives Matter outburst. So uh, Lil Wayne has apologized for denouncing the Black Lives Matter movement in a controversial interview, confessing he lashed out over questions about his daughter. Um, you know what? Lolly, uh, they call Lil Wayne the lollipop star. I don't know that, no. Do you, you have any idea why? Why does he a lollipop? Um, I have no idea. Hit me. I, no, I don't know. I'm just asking. Oh, that's so right. the article says, the lollipop star hit headlines after he appeared on Tuesday night's news uh, show headline, or nightline, sorry, on which he was quizzed about his stance on racial justice campaign. Um, yada, 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 yada. Anyway, so... Um, Good for you, Lil Wayne, uh, for the you know for standing up and, and apologizing for that. I don't know why he's called Lollipop. I don't know. I fell asleep during that story, so you get another thumbs down, Yens. That's great. But he's called Lollipop. Uh, don't I get a sideways? I don't know. You you can take the thumb down and, move, and yeah, make right. it a Lollipop. I don't know. Anyway. Okay, I'll I'll stick with my Taylor Swift stories. Okay, then I'm going to end with one uh, one story as well. Uh, new update for Apple's iOS operating system includes. Uh, uh, an emoji of a famous rock star. Yeah, I know this. I know this. Yeah. I totally know this because I just read it yesterday. You did. Okay. But not that I remember who it is. Uh, how many guesses do I get? It's Two. Johnny Cash. Nope. You, I'll give you one more guess. Am I close? Yeah, I mean, it's a rock star. <laughs> Duh, oh my non- gosh, who is it? A it's non-living a, rock star. Non-living. Non-living. Yes. Uh, Elvis. No, a rock star that uh, I portrayed oh, wait. for Halloween. Wait, Elvis is alive. I'm sorry. Um, right. Yes, I get another chance. It's David Bowie. There it is. Yeah, David Bowie with his famous uh, Latin saying. lightning lightning yes. bolt across his face. Yes, exactly. Nice. Uh, See, I was close. I was getting there. And there's male and female characters of it, so uh, not discriminatory. The female can have a lightning as well. So That's really clever because he was um, – uh, you know, he was a big deal for people that were, um, you know, questioning their sexuality and their gender and all that stuff. So, yes, um, users will be able to make the David Bowie emoji shrug their shoulders, cross their fingers, and even face palm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, n- new to come in the iOS 10.2 update that's coming out at an undetermined time. Who knows? So, um, that's the that's the last story I have for music news, Jens. That's cool. I'm going to look forward to using those uh, emojis um, in honor, of course, of the late David Bowie. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity, Steve, before we wrap it up, to remind everyone how they can get a hold of us. 
And you want to know how I know? How are you going to know, Jens? Because we've tackled this the past like four episodes. <laughs> I know, and I screw it up every single time. Yeah. But I've got these awesome cards that I made, and I now have a reference point in terms of like you know uh, how people can get a hold of us. And it's really easy. You Do keep tell. on saying it's really easy, and it is. It is really easy. So the deal is Facebook Concert Pipeline Pod, right? Yes. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all the same. It's Concert Pipeline. Okay. With the little, um, you know, got to do the call out. For Twitter, it's at Concert Pipeline. But otherwise, it's Concert Pipeline. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. We're on iTunes, obviously. Stitcher. We are. For those of you non-iOS people. We're on Stitcher. We are. We are. You're learning what a Stitcher is, but... <laughs> I just figured out what Stitcher was the other day. I didn't even know. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so what is it? Yeah. I don't have an Android phone. Excellent. So that's our show for today. Um, and thank you again to Bleaker for being on the, the program. We uh, definitely appreciate it. Um, and go out there. Go to live shows. Uh, it's really great. It's a lot of fun. And uh, next time, again, covering live in the vineyard. So that'll be even more fun. We'll have... Uh, James Brendan James on the program and uh, uh, catch up with him uh, again so uh, for all of us that here Concert Pipeline that's Ian Schiphol and that is Steve Joe and see you on the next episode